Okay, okay. We don't want to hurt mommy's microphone. This is how she will eventually one day make money. That's right. Mm-hmm. When we're rich and famous. When we're rich and famous. <laughs> <laughs> oof. <laughs> Big oof. I don't know if I want that. <laughs> Just rich, not famous. Oh. <laughs> rich is fine. I don't care. No, 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 no. Wealthy. We want to be wealthy. Wealthy. Well- Generational wealthy. <laughs> That's right. When I pass all my fortune to my cats, I don't want That's them right. to be wealthy. Old That's money right. cats. <laughs> yes, and it will become a well-known museum where your cats live in their castle. And everyone will come and visit and give them pets. The ones that have passed will be stuffed and displayed. Like okay, or, or, and hear me out, a tasteful urn is fine. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten, and we are Mediocre, Mediocre Contents. And I hope that you guys are having a wonderful January. It is very cold. <laughs> it is very cold for you. Yes. The, um, yes. It is yeah. medium cold for me. Medium. And I feel like January is like the Mondays of yeah. the year. Like, I, I saw that written somewhere online, so I'm not going to take credit for that thought, but I really <laughs> believe that it's true. Like, like it's just yeah. kind of bleh. December is like the Sunday scaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like putting it off until Monday. January. Mm. You know what, though? It's true because we're only like a couple of weeks in and we have had so many appointments, so many things going on at once. All of the like... Uh, first year meetings and things that you have to like set up the year or like close out a year all of that's happening all right like right now (laughs) do you are you a new year's resolution person I am not okay no I am not neither is Chris yeah I mean I think it's good to always be improving upon Mm -hmm. yourself when you can but I'm also like if you need to take a rest take a rest because sometimes that's a lot of pressure and then what happens if you like drop it and then you're like well I can't hold anything it's like nah man you're just a human (laughs) yeah I like to make lists they're more like aspirational as opposed to like things I need to do you know yeah 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 and I just like to set like these are the things that I would like to get done over the course Mm. of this year these are the things that I would like to do in the event that the opportunity presents itself slash mm-hmm. like I'm going to make moves to try and make this happen. But if it doesn't, you know, it's like not a big deal. I so. can't say that we've thought about that. Um, I, like one of the things I would like to start looking into slash potentially doing this year is uh, learning Korean. I really want to do that. Ooh, That's my yeah. Goal. And then the second thing that I want to do is start taking drum lessons nice so those are my two things it doesn't have to be this year but it's things i want to try and like look into and start doing i need some explanations really quick because the korean thing makes sense because (laughs) you are very much in your k-pop era which totally makes sense i get it Mm -hmm. um but the drum thing why for what okay so i Fun fact, used to play piano in my younger years and I would compete and do a lot of presentations and competitions and all this other stuff. And I would say in general, and my family can correct me if I if they think I'm wrong, but I doubt I am. 
But um, I think that our family is just very musically inclined. Like Chris plays the drums. He's very good at it. Uh, my mom sings. Um, my dad actually plays the banjo. Actually, I think, cool. I think my stepdad also used to, play, I don't know if he still does, but he used to play the banjo. Um, and so I, I mean, you and I sing, right? Sing. Um, and I haven't played an instrument. I don't think we should let the people know that because then <laughs> it's going to okay. go downhill not, from there. Oh yeah. Not anyway. professionally. I would also no. like, we're not doing this professionally, but no. I, we're all pretty musically inclined and I don't know what it is. Like I've been, I feel like drums can be very creative and very immersive. And I feel that way about the piano. I just don't want to pick the piano back up. Okay. And I feel like I want to take that energy and put it somewhere else. I also feel like drums can be very therapeutic because you're physically into it as opposed okay. to just like, you know, not that guitars or things like that can't be physical, but I mean, you're actually you get to like hit to, things. Yeah. You get yeah. to hit things. You get to make yeah. really like creative, comfy beats. And you've got all these different types of sounds that you can make all at once to get it's just something about it right it's okay. like when you hear harmonies and melodies come together that's how i mm -hmm. feel about drums should and i so get I you just... some drums for christmas or is tyler gonna hurt <laughs> Ooh, me oh my gosh first of all that would be so expensive second of all <laughs> second of all no tyler actually used to have a drum set and it's oh, okay. still at his family home in ohio mm, so i don't know okay. that we're necessarily gonna go get it or anything but if we wanted to we might be able to so okay yeah, but I, cool. I, I appreciate yeah. you for elaborating because <laughs> yeah. I know I I'd like to think I know you pretty well. You and do. I did not think that drums <laughs> was on my it's not on my Kirsten 2024 bingo card, but now it is. Yeah, so. you definitely need to like uh, redo one of those squares. <laughs> yeah, I do. I need to cross off. Yeah, uh -huh. uh, something else. I'm not sure what that is yet. Sleeping in socks. <laughs> it's just sure. 24, 24 goals. Yes. My feet get so cold, to be honest. I probably should do that. Just, just thinking ahead. Sleeping okay. in socks. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take over now. Okay. Um, this is your disclaimer uh, for the year of our Lord 2024. Wear your and... socks to bed. <laughs> We are not experts on anything, obviously, but if you've come to the podcast to hang out and learn something you may not have known before, then we would love to have you come join us uh, on Instagram and Twitch and on all the places on your audio listening platform of choice. Um, and we encourage you to do your own research or let us know if we say something stupid because we do that sometimes. <laughs> we do. Um, and I'm going to jump into the good news because I did the good news this week. And <laughs> I think that this first story I think is really cool. Um, it's debatable whether it's like good news or not, but like, oh. it's something that happened. <laughs> okay. Okay. Current it's events. more of like, this happened and I'm happy about it. How's that? I think that's fair. Among the oldest video games in society, Tetris had never been beaten by a human before, only by computers and AI. I was just about to say, as opposed um, to what? <laughs> computers and AI, Kirsten. <laughs> Sorry. Don't offend them. They will come for you. Um, nearly 40 years after its development, an Oklahoma teen is believed to be the first person in history to ever beat Tetris, mm. for which, which for those gamers in the reading audience occurs when the blocks fall so fast 
And the mechanism for keeping score reads nine, 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 nine points for so long that the low tech hardware can't process and the game freezes. So it's not like, <laughs> yay, you beat it. You just broke the machine. <laughs> Congratulations. <broke> Savage. <laughs> Which I think is great. Honestly. Yeah, it's great. Um, Previously, only AI or simply bot programs have been able to cause the game to reach its freezing point. Uh, the, but according to the classic Tetris World Championship, 13-year-old Willis Gibson is the first person to ever provide proof that their human eyes, brain, and fingers achieved this, as Fantastic. opposed to what? Yeah. Anyway. As opposed to feet? <laughs> yeah. Uh, known by his gamer tag, Blue Scooty. Uh Gibson recorded the event and posted it on YouTube on Tuesday. He starts the game and plays for 38 minutes and level 157 when the blocks are whizzing down so fast he barely has time to think. After 38 minutes, he can be heard saying, oh, I missed it, believing he lost his chance after a misplaced block scuttles the pattern of blocks that he was building up. Uh, then the game freezes and poor Gibson starts to hyperventilate with excitement <laughs> as you do saying, Oh my God, I'm going to pass out. I can't feel my hand. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's never been done by a human before, but basically something that everyone thought was impossible until a couple of days ago, uh, says Vince Clemente, the president of the classic Tetris world championship told the New York times. That's amazing. So on behalf of the Mediocre Content Podcast, I would like to congratulate Willis on his lovely, wonderful achievement. And I hope that you have regained feeling in your fingers now. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's the most important part. You take that W kid. That's amazing. Right. Okay. This next one I have called pay attention on the plane. Um, Next time you're aboard a plane watching the safety demonstration, please don't brush them off, which I honestly, I can say I have done before. I like to read my book. Um, <laughs> let's see. So on a runway in the Japanese airport of Hyenda, they, the safety demonstration saved 379 people. Good gracious. Okay. The miracle on, on Hyenda as it's being called, saw an Airbus A350 uh, owned by Japan Airlines set completely ablaze, but every passenger and crew member escaped to safety. Nice. Inquests into the incident detail that the pilot received an all clear from the control tower to land, but the Japanese Coast Guard aircraft was crossing the runway at the time. Striking it, the plane caught fire and had to come to a complete stop from the landing speed before the evacuation could take place. Footage taken from social media shows the passengers filming the fire from inside the plane shortly after landing, with the vast majority of those on board remaining (laughs) remarkably calm. Would not be me. I heard an explosion about 10 minutes after everyone and I got off the plane. 28 year old passenger Subasa Sawanda, uh, sorry about if I butchered your name, told Reuters, um, I can only say it was a miracle. We could have died if we were too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reuters also, which I believe is a news outlet, oh, yeah. also heard from an aviation safety expert at the UK based consultancy who said that it appeared no one left the plane with a carry on bag, which is said to have been part of the in-flight safety announcement for years. He reckoned the crew did an excellent job. They were communicating with megaphones since the plane's intercom was broken. It really is a lesson for the rest of the world. Joffrey Thomas said 
or told Japan Times, who billed him as an aviation expert, who noted that despite what the passengers experienced, people followed textbook exit procedures. The Times spoke with two middle-aged passengers who both feared the worst, but nevertheless managed to keep their nerve and evacuate promptly. Nice. Um, so basically, do what they say on the plane. Yeah, pay Don't grab your stuff. Yep. Pay attention. Yep. You will get off the plane safely. I think this is a good testament to like, mm-hmm. they put these procedures <clears throat> in place for a reason. They yeah. know what they're doing. And this yeah. is, I, I know this is not like great news, but it's definitely something <laughs> it that's is. like, it's good that everyone survived. I will mention that on the Coast Guard plane that was crashed into, five people did pass away yeah. um, and our hearts go out to them yeah. and their families. Not to make it worse with the plane situation, but I do have to also note that there was another <laughs> incident recently that I saw. She says, <laughs> hold my beer. <laughs> hold my beer. If anybody has seen it recently over the last week, there was uh, a plane whose door completely flew off mid-flight. Oh, yeah, I did see yeah. that. Uh-huh. But you know what? Again, all of the bags fell and the girl that was filming herself and taking pictures said mine didn't inflate and they always say don't worry you're still getting oxygen and like don't panic just put it over your face and everybody did remain calm nobody was next to the the door the emergency exit so i think only like a cell phone and a, like somebody's like somebody's shirt or something something got lost in the wind but literally everyone got off the plane safely and followed procedure as well so again another great example of just do the right thing <laughs> just pay attention and do the right thing I agree. Yeah, that would exactly. Crap out of me though. I hate. Oh planes. my god. Oh. oh my god. I would be a mess. I'm like, I'm putting my seatbelt on. <laughs> I hate. Planes. I am becoming one with the seat that is bolted oh, to the floor. Jeez, we hit a bit of turbulence, and I'm already scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On with. the flights that we took recently, though, they've been pretty good. Like That's people good. haven't really been acting up, and it's been pretty like yeah. chill. So That's good. That's good. Yeah. For the not because like I there's so that. you hear, you hear I do family? oh my god <laughs> come here if you're gonna be loud come here yeah. um what was I gonna say all the flights that you were on were like oh it's just it's important to keep in mind and I know um this doesn't work for everybody but it works for me that thousands of people fly every day. And we only hear about the bad stuff. So just keep that in mind. Okay. It's true. It's true. Next time, clap when you land because not everyone does. No, I'm just kidding. That's horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be one of those people. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) we're just going to move on from planes. We'll have to do an episode on planes. Yeah. Yeah. Planes and automobiles. (laughs) (laughs) And so much to say today. We have so much to say. Which is unusual because it's usually Jinx. It's usually Jinx. Yeah. Well, Jinx is here. He's yeah. chilling and watching Salem be an idiot. So <laughs> they got to trade every observing. Now yeah. Trading the brain cell, as they say. Uh, okay. So I've got today's episode. We are talking about glasses in the history of seeing eye spheres. Um, as well as the uh, history of contact lenses and potential corrective surgeries that you can have. But I would, again, like to stress, as we always do, 
we are not uh, optometrists, so <laughs> don't take our advice. Just go talk to your optometrist for advice. And uh, that's all I'm going to say on that. And that's all I got to say about that. That's, that's it. That's it. So those who depend on glasses to see the world in detail owe an abundance of gratitude to the Romans, which I think the Romans and the Greeks actually have a lot of roots in things that we currently use today. And that's wonderful. It is. But they are the ones who technically discovered that glass can be manipulated to also then magnify things, which is really what your glasses are doing for you in most cases, just like a, a face magnifying glass for your two eye holes. Like modern day magnifying glasses, wealthy Romans commissioned glass blowers to make these glass spheres and put against small text, the letters of course would become more legible. Over time, glass workers and engineering minds continued to perfect this art and create thinner and thinner curved glass blocks and lenses. Of course, this wasn't really easy because as you can imagine, glass one had to be clear, clean and smooth, but also uh, minimize distortion, you know, through any of those mediums. Right. Um, and I would, again, technology, uh, we like to say a lot about like older technology and this, that, or the other, but the reality is they don't even have like full machines working on these things like they do today. So even more difficult. Uh, while we don't know the name of the first person who set the glasses into the lenses and frames and put together the first pair of glasses, we do know that the longest surviving ones date back to the 13th century, which is around the 1200s, and that they emerged in Italy, mostly worn by monks, and some of the only people allowed to learn to read and write at time were monks, which would be why that would be useful. Because if they couldn't see, they couldn't read or write very well. <laughs> right. These early glasses were more cumbersome than what you have today, most likely. They were often thick, curved glass lenses set into leather or wooden frames. Um, and they were probably a little less comfortable, of course, when you're trying to read long things and for an extended period of time. And as a result, enterprising monks and wealthy glass wearers glasses wearers were motivated to improve the design for size efficiency and comfort because they were the, the ones wearing them <laughs> yeah no that totally makes sense so over time glasses have gone through many design phases and they have included lenses set into frames with a metal headband which i think is hilarious <laughs> that is hilarious it's like uh, headgear yeah but for your <laughs> eyes <laughs> and that would run from the bridge of the glasses up and over the forehead span the whole <laughs> crown of your head with the other end of the band anchored to the back of your head <laughs> They, the whole time people had ears and they did not think to just put them to the back of your ears as opposed to just using your forehead. They're like, got to go the whole way. There's the no other way. option. <laughs> this is kind of an odd thing, isn't it? Uh, there have also been glasses that hinged in the center and perched on the nose like spectacles and glasses held in place with leather or material straps that would be tied to the back of the head. <laughs> Again, that's actually not that bad. No, but I mean, we still do have ears at this time. Right. Well. You're so right. We've had ears the whole time. The whole time. They were like, the, the solution is right beside you. It's like, literally on the it's side of your head. literally right there. The, I don't know how prevalent mirrors were so that people could walk oh. by and be like, oh my God, wait. <laughs> we, look at this. You're so right. But they you're also so couldn't right. see. So it, they don't know. 
Um, the blind leading the blind, if you will. Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not where I thought this episode was going to go. <laughs> I'm glad it is. Um, we also have images mostly from Renaissance art paintings of men wearing glasses perched on their nose, but secured by extending um, by extending a handle that the wearer could hold. So you've probably seen the majority of this when it comes to like masks or monocles, even where right. they'll hold it by a stick and just put it up to their eyes when they need to use it. Or those little like opera things, binoculars yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Same concept. Um, and those are very popular during that time. So you will see paintings and a lot of the art uh, kind of embodying that. Nice. Uh, but this version uh, was around the 18th to 19th centuries and did include um, those opera glasses as well. Cool. Because uh, uh, it's practicality, right? Because you got a lot of wealthy people or maybe your seats uh, weren't that great. And so how do you see if you're like thousands of feet back from the front of the stage, you need something to magnify that. So that that's why that was popular right and in today's world and concerts they have those giant ass screens that yeah. you look for <laughs> exactly and i'm like i'm basically just watching tv and i paid many more <laughs> much more to, to, to be TV. here yeah i'm gonna start taking opera glasses i want to see that stuff i with mean my own eyes. <laughs> i think binoculars are the move honestly <laughs> so after that time period though as far as glasses designing and invention and innovation goes, it kind of stagnated for about 300 years. Um, they looked pretty much the same up until about the 1700s. And by that point, most glasses were worn without any handheld devices necessary and became, quote, hands-free. And the lenses continued to get thinner, which is wonderful, as well as the frames and uh, glass and metalwork innovation were obviously improving over that time frame. It's true. The, there were also, of course, like we talked about, the first optometrists, which are your eye doctors. Not to be confused with ophthalmologists, which do something else very different, but I can't remember <laughs> what it is right now. Very different. Um, so they provide clients with rudimentary vision tests and then worked with glass blowers to kind of customize the shape and lens to accommodate whatever vision issue the patient was experiencing. And of course, you can imagine the bulk of the glasses made during this time uh, were devoted to people who were farsighted to help them read. Um, just. Yeah, reading yeah. glasses. Right. Sure. And so even so, eyeglasses were costly and highly prized because you have to hand make with a glass blower and potential metal worker, which were very specific jobs back then, to sure. craft a singular pair <laughs> of eyeglasses. Also keep in mind, for the most part, you need two lenses unless you have a monocle, in which case that's specific to you and we're not talking about you. But that's most, right. <laughs> most people need two lenses, so you have to have them craft two identical circles. Also, I would just like to clarify for those who have the privilege of having perfect eyesight. <laughs> um, farsighted means you can't see things that are close to you and yes. nearsighted means that you can't see things far away right i don't know why they did it this way but it has something to do with like the way that your eye is shaped i don't know but anyway it's the opposite of what you think it is yeah exactly yeah and um the reason that's important because they were created for farsighted so things that you couldn't see up close because again you've got books and things that you're writing on a desk it's not that far from you but you're not looking at like billboard signs <laughs> like thousands right. of like, yards away <laughs> that is correct 
Um, once women were able to learn to read and write, glasses were only available to religious scholars and super wealthy classes. So you have to imagine also, since this was a very costly investment and you had to kind of know how to afford something like this, a lot of people who were middle to lower class did not have access to these, which kind of, well, and they also didn't have access to a lot of literacy assistance either. So it was kind of like, a mixture of sadness <laughs> right on that yeah point. nobody <laughs> could really read until like the printing right. press was invented which i believe is like late 18th century early 19th century something like yeah, that yeah something like that so okay. yeah just accessibility not that great for the majority of people who probably needed it uh then came benjamin martin's spectacles or the martin's margins uh while we can't give credit to the first person who invented magnifying lenses um or the first pair of glasses uh benjamin martin did have quite the amazing innovation he is one of the most famous 18th century eyeglass manufacturers his glasses were named martin's margins and are still considered collector's items today because of how prevalent they were uh, but scholar and inventor and politician Benjamin Franklin had a personal <laughs> interest. Sorry, sorry. You good? I the printing press was invented in 1440. Never Just mind. so everyone is aware, we I am dumb. And You're not dumb. Could not <laughs> do your own <laughs> research. Anyway, um, yep. Sorry about that. It's anyway, fine. continue. Go ahead. <laughs> but Benjamin Franklin had a personal interest in improved spectacle design since he needed them to read and write obviously. Uh, and it was actually Benjamin Franklin who invented the first pair of quote bifocals, which allowed the wearer to see far distances, which is the nearsighted version, and have the ability to read or look at things at a close distance without having to remove the glasses. So they were split. So then he could also look far sighted <laughs> with assistance. Also, yes, for those who uh, have recently watched um the wonderful movie with Nicolas Cage about <laughs> stealing the Declaration of Independence. Indeed. National treasure. Mm -hmm. um, the bifocals that he brings out to see, <laughs> I think it's like the extra stuff on the back of the dollar bill or something. Sure. That is not what <laughs> Benjamin Franklin bifocals looked like. It's I just want right. to put that out there for everyone. <laughs> I, I like those though. I think they look cool. Anyway, they are cool. Well, and I, and I don't know how Nicolas Cage created his, but what I can do is tell you how Franklin created his own. So basically, like I said, they have two functions if they're considered bifocals, because bi means two. Correct. So they can perform, as I just read, near and far-sighted functions. And he did this by cutting one lens as a nearsighted and one lens as a farsighted and essentially stitching those together so that you could look over it and see one way and under it to see the other, which is pretty clever. From those in my life who have had to get bifocals, AKA my parents, they said <laughs> it's like kind of weird to get adjusted to. Yeah. So, and I, I think they're also trying to make like bifocal contact lenses. I, I don't know like how they're doing that, but uh, interesting. Well, interesting. Because if you've never seen them, from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, the 
farsighted portion is on the lower side because you're looking down to read in most cases. Correct. And if you're yeah. looking over the line, so over the top of your glasses, which is where you're usually looking to go and look outside of things, that's where the nearsighted function is happening. That is correct. So if you've never worn them or seen them, that's that's what's happening. Uh, over time, opticians, who are the ones who physically make the eyeglasses, develop the ability to create that effect in a single lens, which is great, which is what we have now. Uh, yes. These innovations are impressive when you consider that Benjamin Franklin's bifocal improvements of the 1700s are still used today. Very impressive. Uh, and eyeglasses continue to be somewhat of a luxury all the way up to and a little beyond the 19th century. And of course, we know now, uh, you know, industrial revolution made a lot of large scale production possible, uh, which is why we have machines and, you know, plastics that can be easily sculpted and created uh, to make these a little bit more efficiently. Uh, but they are still pretty pricey things to have. So as you can imagine, eyeglasses are still considered precious to the owners for the most part, although I can say um, the one thing I have learned as someone who does require glasses and is not currently wearing them because I'm awesome, uh, I just take the prescription and go elsewhere, like third party it, and I can get a pair of glasses with my stuff for Agreed. about $10, <laughs> which is wonderful. <laughs> he is really excited today. I can hear him still. <laughs> I know. I moved the microphone closer just so he could like. <laughs> Tell me what you want, son. Adorable. Um. So with the ease of production, uh, there kind of became a transition from function to fashion <laughs> a little bit with the eyeglasses. Yes. yes. <laughs> and you can find some pretty stylish stuff even now. Um, so in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, eyeglass manufacturers began focusing on style and functional improvements. And as a result, what was originally kind of like a one style fits all situation became more or less um, kind of obsolete almost. And so glasses became available differently shaped in their frames, varieties of colors and patterns. And eyeglasses also became more readily available for children, which unfortunately, I mean, you're thinking wealthy and all this other stuff too, but that had been largely left out. So children who really couldn't see are now also being able to obtain um, glasses. And they started screening for it in schools and stuff like that, is, I think also lovely because if you don't know sometimes it's as easy as being able to see in order to be successful so <laughs> truly uh interestingly while eyeglasses were largely improved upon in the european and american markets the first tented lenses emerged from china in the 12th century <laughs> what is the giggling nothing <laughs> <laughs> i'm just thinking of all the people that have uh the transition lenses <laughs> I do not. <laughs> they were all I. the rage, though. They were they so were, popular. I remember growing up, it was like you were the you were the, the thing, the kid. Yeah. If you had the transition lens, they were expensive. I know. You know? Yep. And I try for all the glasses, even though I buy them third party. Even getting a blue coating on them now to protect. We will talk about this, but even to coat them to protect your eyes from all the screens is expensive these days. Truly. Uh, but at this. Uh, time frame in 12th century China, the lenses were not used to protect the eyes from the sun, but rather to keep people from being able to see the expression in the eyes of Chinese judges during court cases. So you got to have that poker face. Okay. 
Uh, by the 20th century, tinted glasses were being used more and more for both style and light protection for those those with sensitive eyes, and in the 1920s, sunglasses were obviously becoming increasingly popular. Plastic lenses didn't enter the market until the 1980s, and this was obviously revolutionary. Now, in addition to being far more affordable, broken lenses were far more dangerous for those who wear glasses on a daily basis. Today, those who wear glasses have a wealth of options available to them, including prescription sunglasses, the bifocals we talked about, the transitional lenses we just talked about, and prescription or non-prescription lenses that block that blue light spectrum flood that we're all exposed to all the time. Uh, but of course, glasses are also no longer the only option for people that struggle with vision issues or that want a bit of fun and fashion with just the eyes that they already own. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what other options there might be. And it's contacts. Don't tell them yet. <laughs> Congratulations, you've made it to the ad segment of the podcast. Don't worry, the podcast is now, thankfully, halfway over, and we think you'll have what it takes to push through to the end. You got this. We completely understand if you have to bow out for now, but if you do, make sure to come back at some point to try and finish what you started. Or not, that's also fine. If you got what it takes to continue, we know you do. Keep listening so you can get this over with, and be sure to tune in to future Mediocre content. Welcome back. We are now going to talk about contact lenses. It's a big surprise. Shock. Uh, what you might actually find shocking is when the first kinds of sketches for these things came out as opposed to when they actually became implemented. So it is rumored that in 1508, Leonardo da Vinci sketched and described several versions of contact lenses, but of course didn't actually develop anything. Well, <laughs> Which, yeah, I yeah, mean, you know. No offense to him, but like he did not have the materials for his ideas. He wasn't an optometrist. No. Also that. <laughs> yeah. Um, others thereafter described or suggested corneal contact lenses in rudimentary forms. However, it wasn't until 1887 that a German glass blower named F.E. Muller produced the first device to completely cover the eye and actually be tolerated in the eye because your eyes are very sensitive. So you got to be careful just shoving stuff in there. It's true. Then in 1929, a Hungarian physician named Joseph Dalos perfected a method of taking molds from living eyes, ew, so that lenses uh. could, be more, <laughs> could be made more closely conformed to the ocular curvatures, which is just a fun way to say your eyeball. <laughs> so huh. I don't want to know how or why or in what methods he was doing it, but we're you not know, about it. My first instinct would be cadavers, but Ooh, like maybe. God forbid if you had someone putting a mold on your eye <laughs> while you are living. Uh, honestly, even knowing that it was molded from a past person is a little creepy. Well, you have to know the shape, right? Like, I guess. Uh, God. I don't know. Anyway, we're gonna, we're gonna move on. 
Uh, contacts, though, as we know them today, were not actually developed until 1936 when a New York optometrist named William Feinblum fabricated the first American-made contact lenses and introduced the use of plastic lenses. In 1960, Otto Wichler, I don't know, he's from Czechoslovakia, but he developed mm. the material used for the first soft lenses, which probably felt amazing compared to what they were made of previously. Truly. Mm -hmm. It was soft hydrophilic, which is water absorbing, and plastic known as polymacon, which is great. Mm, Polymacon? Cool. I don't know. 1971, Bosch and Loam Incorporated brought the technology of soft contact lenses to the world. The lenses were known as the Bosch and Loam Soft Lens, which is trademarked. The first rigid, gla uh, rigid gas permeal lens, or RGP, became available in 1979 using a copolymer of PMMA, uh, or plexiglass, and silicone. So becoming more um, uh, flexible. Well, also. and the, th the other thing, the gas permeable is important because your eye actually needs oxygen in order for it to, like, breathe appropriately, which sounds ridiculous, but, like... Yeah. Um, if you don't have oxygen in your eye, that's one of the things that causes it to get really red. Yeah. Uh, so your eye doesn't have gas. It's not farting. It's taking in Correct. oxygen. Correct. <laughs> your eyes are breathing. <laughs> the existential crisis. You guys know what I mean. <laughs> Move right along. In 1987, the contact lens industry was further revolutionized with the availability of AccuView, di disposable soft lenses brought to market by Vistacon Incorporated, which was a Johnson & Johnson company. And, just, and if you've ever seen those annoying commercials with like the, <laughs> the girls with the stigmatism, you know exactly what this company is. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, disposable soft lenses increased patient comfort, improved convenience, reduced ocular complications, et cetera, et cetera. And today the finest soft lenses in the world are all disposable materials, which is great. Uh, don't forget to take out your contacts. If you've been keeping those oh. things in, please mm. take them out and wash them, please. Or first throw them all, away. First of all, if you have the daily contact lenses, good for you. That's amazing. Right. Don't sleep in those things. Do not. Please, dear God, don't sleep in them. It's um, dangerous. My contacts are monthly um, and I clean them every day. Like you have yep. to. Yeah. Um, so just, oh, it is so nasty. Because they'll calcify, right? Isn't that the word? Right. That's yeah. correct. And then- they're they would be harder to get off your eye also if you're sleeping and your contact slips like behind mm. your eye it's gonna hurt really bad yeah and it's gonna be really hard to get out yeah yeah so don't be doing that that Take is my out. biggest fear oh my i know God. it should be it's awful i don't know why more people aren't afraid of it <laughs> i don't know either these people so be dangerous. leaving their contacts in google those pictures and you will always take your contacts out <laughs> you change your Scare yourself so into submission oh my god yeah so i will uh... say i'm kind of proud and this is probably tmi but i'm <laughs> proud of myself because drunk blair always takes her contacts out <laughs> drunk blair has it together drunk blair has it together she is a hundred percent all the time has always taken her contacts out and i appreciate that about her it's a good shout mm -hmm. it's a good shout please do that. Don't hurt your eyes. If they're already in a bad state where you have to have contacts, you probably don't want to be damaging them further by leaving them in too long. And also if you can't handle that responsibility, just wear glasses. Yeah, they're cute now. Yeah. They're not ugly. It's you fine. You get them cheaply for the most part. That's right. Yeah. 
Uh, within the past few years, several companies have also developed silicone-based soft lenses that have become six times more oxygen transmission uh, than other lenses, and the FDA has approved some of these lenses to even be worn continuously without removal for up to 30 days, but you have to have the right ones. You have to have the appropriate ones, and even if you do, just remember it can slip even behind then. your eyeball. Even then, I would just take them out. Take them like, out. I... Less than... That seems bad. Yeah. I don't know. It's not great. Technology does, of course, continue to make uh, improvements. And uh, now you can potentially, like Blair mentioned, they're trying to create one that's bifocal. Cra it's just crazy to me. It is crazy. Yeah. But that's also for, like, vision correction. So there are people as well who wear them for fun. If you want a different eye color, it's like putting on a wig for your eye. You can change that with any kinds, <laughs> any kinds of colors Excuse or me. The wigs for your eyes are your eyebrows. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, you can change those, too. <laughs> um, there's hair dye for that. All the same. You can change them around. The only thing I would say is be very cautious the kinds that you buy because, of course, don't get them off of Timu and Xi'an where you don't know where they're coming from or what solution they've been in for how long. Try to get nicely priced, appropriate lenses for your eyeballs because you only get two eyes. You don't want to be messing that up, okay? Yeah, and you don't want to be that creepy person with a glass eye. Like, no you offense don't. to anyone who has a glass eye because I understand that it's like... yeah. But you, wanna, but you don't want to, but you don't want to force be that. that. Right. Like <laughs> right. try not to be that person. I know? will say some of those designs I have on the glass eyes. So freaking cool though. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Kirsten <laughs> says, maybe I'll be the glass eye lady. I ain't putting nothing in my eyes. I'm gonna Three tell you cats, that. one glass eye. <laughs> <laughs> those, I don't make the rules. <laughs> Your cats like take it out at night and like, play with it. Ew. 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 <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not doing that. On the other side, <laughs> if you don't want to wear contacts or glasses and your medical professional has told you you might be eligible, you might also have the option for procedures to help correct your eyes, which my husband has done. And we'll talk about the one that he has done. Um, but there are quite a few advancements that we've made where eye specialists can go through these corrective surgeries known as refractive and laser eye surgery in the last recent years and essentially fix it so that you're back up to or around a better vision standard, which the standard, if you don't know, is 2020. Don't ask me what it stands for. Do you think I researched this? I did not. Of course, <laughs> doctors nor eye specialists um, uh, are we. So please just ask them. Are or I? Or I. Uh. <laughs> no, I'm not a medical professional in that realm. Blair is not either. So just talk to them if you're interested and you might be eligible. So here's the options. LASIK is the number one that you're probably going to hear about the most. This surgery reshapes the underlying corneal tissue to focus light into the eye and reach the retina, which is the problem with a lot of eye issues. It's the light and how it refracts in your cornea and your cones and your eyes and hits the back of your eye to help you see. This procedure is ideal for patients who are nearsighted, farsighted, or have an astigmatism. And what makes LASIK unique uh, in its methodology is that um, eye surgeons will create... <laughs> Hold on a second. If you're squeamish, end the podcast now. 
If you yeah. don't want to know, yes. <laughs> if you don't want to know yes. what they do to your eye flaps, leave now. Just okay. <laughs> let it let no. it ride. We'll see you next week. We appreciate <laughs> you being here. Thanks for hanging out. We're gonna move on now. You've got your warning. Good call, Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> I just happened. I was reading it and I was like, I should say something. <laughs> So, Meanwhile, I'm over here like, yeah, this seems good. <laughs> this is fine. As a squeamish person, I'm speaking to other squeamish people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Basically, what they do for LASIK, the eye surgeon will create a flap on the outside layer of the cornea in order to access your underlying tissue. So they're cutting into your eye hole. Okay. The procedure requires... also. Pre- I would like to say that there is a little bit of sedation that comes with this yes, as well. And it's numbing. not just like raw dogging your eye flap. <laughs> Please never say raw dogging your eye flap ever again. <laughs> she is correct though. Um, they put numbing drops in. You can be sedated if you need to be. Yeah. You can have like twilight, I think. Like, yes, it's not something you have to be awake for. Correct. But this requires precision and advancement in computer imaging technology that allows the specialist to create that detailed corneal image. And this guides how they cut, where they cut, the treatment, etc. So they're basically lifting it up, making the correction, and then flapping that shit back down. (laughs) Seems good. Seems, Seems legit. The other option, which is actually what my husband had, is PRK, and they will actually use a laser to reshape the cornea. Full disclosure, people have reported being able to smell their eye burning (laughs) with the laser. People as in Tyler. (laughs) I smell flesh burning. (laughs) It's my eye. Um, I also would like to say if you're the kind of person who like doesn't even want to do contacts because they have a fear of touching your eye, these are probably not for you. Definitely not. Just wear the glasses. It's fine. No one's judging you. Right. So unlike LASIK, instead of creating a flap, having to lift it and do the measure or do the procedure underneath... Uh, What PRK does is only reshapes the surface of the cornea. It's ideal for mild to moderate nearsighted, farsighted, or astigmatisms. And PRK can also work with computer imaging technology, obviously, because they just want to make sure that they're cutting the right area to shape your your surface, uh, the cornea surface, in the right place. Right. There's also something called refractive lens exchange or RLE and is a refractive surgery to remove the natural lens akin to cataract surgery before cataracts have been developed or before cataracts develop in your eyes. Um, And yes, you probably hear a lot about this in animals, specifically dogs, um, but happens to humans as well, cataracts. And uh, the doctor will make a small incision to remove the natural lens of the eye on the edge of the cornea and the lens is then replaced with a silicone or plastic lens. The procedure is also known as CLE or clear lens extraction, can also be known as RLR or refractive lens replacement. Bottom line is it can be used for corrective, uh, correcting severe farsighted and nearsightedness. And it is also used to correct thin corneas, dry eyes, or other minor eye problems. Um, but additional procedures may be needed for specific astigmatism, astigmatism issues because that's a different astigmatism. Astigmatism, because uh, that's just different uh, in terms of how about what's going on in your eye. Um, the last one that I have is facic 
intraocular lens implants or implantable columnar lenses. Some patients just have uh, too much nearsighted issues for something like PRK and LASIK and instead they need this other procedure to be done. And for this, the doctor will physically insert an implant through a very small incision at the edge of the cornea that attaches to the iris behind the pupil. And this, um, the eye's natural lens is left in place and it just allows, you know, that corrected. It's just a more advanced version to help correct nearsightedness specifically. So anyway, hopefully you're not grossed out, um, but <laughs> that's it for procedures and really for the pod because that's all I have. <laughs> that was nice. Thank yeah. you so much for the education. Honestly, not the most interesting topic necessarily, but I do think it's cool to learn about things that are maybe a little more obscure off the beaten path. You don't think about sure. it. Just put your glasses or your contacts in. You're like, And next you week we'll be talking about gut health, which will be super <laughs> fun. No, I'm just kidding. Learn really. about your rectum with Blair and Kirsten. <laughs> hey, we could, but it would be weird. I <laughs> would not. No, we're not doing that. Dang we're it. not doing that. Well, anyway, you could submit that topic <laughs> suggestion if you want to. Yikes. Um, it will be denied. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe one day if we run out of topics. Yeah, we'll talk about gut health. Well, I guess we'll I see think, you guys next week. Like, yeah, I, mean, I think so too. Um, feel free to send us any emails, questions, comments, concerns for our mental health or episode topic <laughs> suggestions at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com. No GI. Follow us, follow us on Instagram or TikTok at mediocrecontentpodcast.com. Or tune in every other Thursday on Twitch um, at the same handle, Mediocre Content Podcast, at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, or 11 p.m. BST. Don't forget to rate us five stars anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been Mediocre Content. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.